Praise the Lord. You are destined to win. God spoke to me in August of 1980 and said to proclaim the word of faith, be a showcase of ministries, and train people to fulfill the word of God. The message that you're about to hear was recorded in a live meeting where the Lord used me to teach the uncompromising word of faith. So open your heart to receive the ministry of the Word of God today, and you will be changed, empowered, and motivated to fulfill the Word of God in your life. Gospel of John, chapter 9. I want to to do today, in today's session, what I had intended to do last night. Believe it or not, I didn't even get started last night. Now, I've noticed that when you minister... The evening sessions usually are more toward preaching and the morning sessions toward teaching. So when I told folks last night to get their fingers ready to do a lot of flipping in their Bible, that's what we're going to do today. We didn't get to that much last night, but we're going to do that today. We're going to cover some things that we said last night. I made reference to the fact that there is a close relationship in the Bible between forgiveness of sin and healing. Now, somebody hearing what I said last night may have thought I said something I didn't say. So I want to correct a thought that somebody may have had before we go any further. There are a lot of folks that hear what I said last night and might say, well, Brother Bill, are you saying that sin causes sickness in our physical bodies? Well, now, it depends on how you mean that. Sin is the ultimate cause of sickness and disease, or it was the ultimate cause of sickness and disease. Do you realize that in the Garden of Eden, before Satan came in and tempted Eve, before the fall, there was no sickness and disease? There was no corruption? Yet after that fall, sickness and disease came in with Satan's kingdom. He became the little G-O-D, little god of this world. He, He had a temporary lease on this world because he was operating under Adam's authority, or with Adam's authority. Adam gave it over to him. And in that, in that giving over of, of Adam's authority, Satan, as I said, became little god of this world. That's the way I like to put it, to, to straighten it out. He'll never be capital G-O-D God. But he was a, uh, you know, he was a, a overlord over this world for a time. And when his regime came in, he brought with it sickness, disease, sin, you know, all those things. So yes, you can say that sickness is a result of sin. But I didn't say that if you go out and commit sin, that God's going to make you sick. See, there's a difference there. And a lot of people uh, have that thought. As a matter of fact, that, that kind of religious thought was with the disciples here in the book of John, chapter 9. We're going to look at this. And this is going to open your eyes to something. John 9, verse 1, And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him. Now you can see them, you know, they're, they're getting their theological questions out. They put their fingers behind their lapels and they say, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, I, I, I talked to Beecher about this before the meeting. He brought out something I'd never seen. You know, <laughs> this was a dumb question. It's dumber than even I thought it was. I knew it was a dumb question to ask Jesus. But it's dumber than I thought it was. Now, get this. The disciples asked Jesus, Jesus, did this man sinning cause him to be born blind? 
Now think about that. He wasn't born yet. How could he sin? Isn't that dumb? Jesus, did this man sinning cause him to be born blind? They got the brain all screwed up. <laughs> There's no way that could be so. But the thing, and, and this is really the root of this question, what they're asking Jesus is, Jesus, is, is sickness caused by sin, basically, in a man's life? Or is it caused by, by parents' sin? You see, is that, is that the reasoning? And he said, that he asked the question, Master, who did sin this man or his parents that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither has this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Now, first of all, notice he answered the question, Neither this man sinned nor his parents. Okay? But the way this is phrased in King James, it would lead you to believe that the guy was made sick in order for the glory of God to be demonstrated in his healing. And a lot of preachers and a lot of people have taught that. But that doesn't make good Bible sense. It can't. Because sickness never brings glory to God. We found out that that's the case. Healing brings glory to God. Well, yeah, Brother Bill, but see, he was made sick in order that he be healed to demonstrate the glory of God. No, that can't be either. Because ultimately, if you draw it back far enough... Somebody, God would somehow, you know, have to have made him sick in order to get him to that point that Jesus come by that day. No, that's not the case either. What you've got to realize is, once again, we're talking about the King James Bible being a translation. Now, it's a good one. I use it. But it's a translation made from the original Greek and Hebrew texts. The Greek text does not have any capital letters. It doesn't have any periods, commas, or any of those kind of markings in it. All of those were added at the discretion of the translators. In other words, if you were a translator and you're translating a sentence, you can actually put your thought into that sentence by the way you punctuate it. Now, look, what, look how this reads if you just read it just like Jesus would have said it. Jesus answered their question, Neither has this man sinned nor his parents but that the works of God should be made manifest in him, I must work the works of him that sent me while it's day. The night cometh when no man can work. Now that's good Bible sense. That falls in line with the other Scriptures. What's the difference? Just changing the punctuation a little. All the words are the same. They all still mean the same thing. It's just that Jesus is saying that the glorifying that's being done is that he's working the works of him that sent me. Now, does that, does that fall into line with other Scriptures? Well, turn to John 14. John 14, we'll begin in verse 11. It says, Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. Now, what did he say brought glory? Doing the works. Obeying the commandments. Doing the works that he did and greater works asking anything in His name and He'd do it. That's what brought glory, not the sickness. In other words, a lot of people have taken this Scripture in John 9 and have taught God made Him sick, you know, and, and then in His healing He brought glory. Well, healing brings glory, that's true, but God didn't make Him sick. That's what I wanted you to see. All right. Now, what about this relationship then? There is a relationship 
Let's turn to James chapter 5. Between sin and sickness in the sense that they are both not of God, they're both handled through the Word, they're both handled through the operation of faith. Do you know that you cannot sin by operating in faith, by walking in faith? The just shall live by faith. I tell you, if the just are living by faith, they're not walking in sin. See, that, that'd be like we've heard it taught in good teaching that fear and faith are direct opposites. If you have faith, you don't have fear. God's not giving us a spirit of fear. If you're walking in fear, you can't have faith. They're total opposites. You can't have one and have the other. Well, I'm telling you, you can't walk in faith and walk in sin. You can't do it. Now, you can try it, but you're going to fail. Because, see, sin, sin destroys your relationship, your fellowship with God. I didn't say that when you sinned, you became unsaved all of a sudden. I'm saying that your fellowship was broken to a degree. In other words, He can't fellowship as closely with you. Now, if you act on 1 John 1, 9 and, and ask God to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness, the fellowship's restored. I like what Brother Copeland says. When you sin, don't run away from God. Run to Him. As soon as you sin, the instant you sin, you ought to say, Father, I'm sorry, I missed it. Forgive me. I'm not going to do it again. I repent. And then go on with God. You see? Don't go and hide in the corner for two days and stay in your sin and just say, Oh my, oh my, what am I going to do? No, don't do that. Just hang in there. Praise God. Operate on the Word. But now let's look at, at James 5, verse 14. Is there any sick among you? Now I'm convinced that if James were writing this today, I believe the Spirit of God would have had him say, Is there any well among you? <laughs> I honestly believe that. In this day, they had enough teaching concerning the Word of God and teaching from the Word of God and the revelation that Paul was getting and so forth. It's fresh to them, man. They were going around teaching it, passing those letters around. They were getting hold of it. And so James asked the question, Is there any sick among you? Hey, Christians, any of you happen to be sick? These days you go into church, is there any well? Let's get the well ones up here to pray for the sick. <laughs> See, is there any sick among you? If there is sick among you, look what it says do. Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith, not the prayer of doubt and unbelief, the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he's committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Now once again, there seems to be a close relationship between sin and sickness. See, they're both forces that can be fought through faith. That's the relationship. Okay? Alright, now I wanted, to, I wanted to get that out of the way, establish that. And like I say, we've got so much to cover, we're going to have to get on something, get off of it, and jump back on something else to cover all these points. Because I, I had not intended to take this session to continue to teach on healing. I want to get over into health. I, I wanted to teach on health. Amen? You know? And we're going to do that. We're, tomorrow's session is going to be on divine health. Praise God. But this one, we're going to get all the, the information that I wanted to give you about healing. All right. Let's look at 1 Peter 2.24 once again. And hold your place at 1 Peter 2.24 and turn back to Isaiah 53. We turned to those last night, but I want you to, to turn to them again, and I want to show you something. We mentioned it in passing, but I want to establish it. 
I like what Brother Gary was saying about the image of God, building that image of, of God into you. You see, the only way you can do that is to go over these things. Go over what you are to be in God. What God says you are. The fact that you're more than a conqueror. You can lose sight of the fact you're more than a conqueror unless you keep going over it and going over it and going over it. Well, it's the same thing with healing. You lose sight of certain things concerning healing and concerning health if you don't keep going over it. And a lot of people, people say, well, Brother Bill, I live in health. I, I've got a hold of that. Well, good. Don't, don't lay down your healing tapes and never listen to them again. You'll get, you'll get out of it. You need to stay in that thing. Keep it developed in your spirit. Faith comes by hearing. Faith doesn't come by having heard. Praise God. All right. Isaiah 53. Remember we said that Isaiah was writing this inspired by the Spirit of God. Isaiah was writing this seeing the crucifixion, seeing the sacrifice of Jesus through God's eyes. He was seeing it the way God saw it. And he saw it before it ever happened. See, Isaiah saw it prophetically. Isaiah saw it long before it actually happened. But he saw it in the Spirit. And look what he says, verse 4. Surely he's borne our griefs. We found out that also means sicknesses. And carried our sorrows. We found out that also means diseases or infirmities. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes or bruises, we are healed. Now, as... Isaiah saw this. He said, we are healed. We are healed. Are healed is present tense. In other words, because of this that's happening, that he's seeing in advance, because of this incident, because Jesus went to the cross, because he bore those stripes, because of his sacrifice, because he bore all our sickness and disease, we are healed. He's looking at it in terms of the moment that it's occurring. We are. But now let's go over and look at 1 Peter 2.24. 1 Peter 2.24 says, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live under righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. Now that's past tense. Well, did Peter misquote Isaiah? <laughs> no. He had a hold of some revelation knowledge. He, began, he found out that the healing... Work was done on the cross. And when Peter wrote this, that had already taken place. To Isaiah, it was something that was going to happen. To Peter, it was something that had already happened. See? Isaiah is pointing toward the cross. Peter's pointing back to the cross. See? In other words, Isaiah is saying, by Jesus' stripes, we are healed because of what he's doing. Okay? But Peter's saying, because of what he has done, we were now, see, if we'd ever get a hold of that, it would change our thinking. It'd change our image of us. No longer are we the sick and healing's available. That's not, that's not God's best. That's true. Healing's available, but it's not God's best. The truth of the matter is we are the healed. We've been made healed. The stripes of Jesus healed us. He bore our sickness. He carried our disease. That's past tense too. He's already done it. Now I'm going to blow some folks' theology pretty well. Oh, man, I tell you, I've heard this everywhere I've gone. Let's turn to Romans chapter 10. And if this is one of your little pet sayings, I'm sorry. You're going to have to change it to be scriptural. You know, sometimes we say certain little things, and, and we may even know better, but we still use certain terms and certain phrases that are unscriptural. Romans chapter 10 
Have you ever heard anybody say this? Oh, dear Lord, Brother Bill, I'm so sick. Let's pray and get God to send Jesus to come down and touch my fevered brow. Ever heard anybody say that? You know, Jesus, if you just come down and touch my fevered brow, you know, something like that. That's not faith. You know that? That's not scriptural. Now, we're going to see that from the Word. Let's look. Romans chapter 10. Let's just start with verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. we got a lot of Christians that way. Got a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. And Hosea 4.6 tells us that lack of knowledge is what's destroying them. My people fail or perishing, being destroyed for a lack of knowledge. So you can have a zeal of God, and that's good. But if you don't have knowledge, you're going to fail. Look at this. I bear the record they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they're ignorant of God's righteousness, and they're going about to establish their own righteousness. They've not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. That's through Jesus. We've been made the righteousness of God through Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, 17-21. Alright. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Well, I'm a believer. That's the end of the law for me. The Old Testament law doesn't concern me anymore. I'm not under that law. Alright. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is the law, that, it, that the man that doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's who you are. You don't have righteousness. You are the righteousness of God. That's what the Bible says. The word, the, the actual word righteousness is defined right standing. But you've been made the righteousness of God. You are the right standing of God. Wow, that'll stretch your mind, conceiving of that. But as the righteousness of God, you can speak. The righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. In other words, he's about to tell us how the righteousness of God speaks. Okay? Now let's look at what the righteousness of God should be saying. Who shall ascend... Or excuse me. Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring up Christ again from the dead. The righteousness which is, on, which is of faith speaketh on this wise, say not in thine heart. This is what we are not to say. Who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. The righteousness which is of faith does not say, Jesus, come down from above and touch my fevered brow. Why? Because the righteousness which is of faith knows that the work's already been done. See? We don't have to have Jesus come down and touch our fevered brow. It's already been accomplished. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you this. Jesus isn't going to come down and touch your fevered brow. He's not going to send anybody else, you know, some angel to come down and touch your fevered brow. The work's been accomplished. He doesn't have to do anything else. As a matter of fact, look at the next statement. It says not to say to bring Christ down from above, it also says, Who shall descend in the deep, or that is to bring up Christ again from the dead. In other words, it also is not saying, Hey, Jesus, what you did for me is not enough. Maybe you need to do it again. Now, you'd think a lot of Christians that way. Jesus, what you did on the cross is not enough for me. Do something else. Man, how egotistical can you get? I tell you what, folks, what Jesus did for us is enough. 
It covered sin. It covered sickness. It covered it covered our, our prosperity. It covered everything. Every aspect of your life. Spirit, soul, body, financially and socially. It covered it. It was enough and more than enough to do it. Not only for you, but for every other person in the whole world. Well, Brother Bill, not everybody in the whole world saved. I know, but they could be. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. It covered everybody's. The world is just that close from being born again. If they confess Jesus the Lord, believe God raised him to the dead, they'd be born again and just that quick. God's not holding out on anybody. But now look at this. It says the righteousness of faith doesn't say that. It says this. What saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Hallelujah. The righteousness which is of faith knows that the word of faith is in your spirit. It's nigh unto thee. It's in your heart. It's in your mouth. It's the word of faith which we preach. What is the word of faith that, that we preach? Verse 9. That, this is, what, this is the word of faith that we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved, delivered, healed, protected, made whole, spirit, soul, and body, delivered from temporal evil. That's what that word saved means. The Greek word sozo. See, we have used... John 10, 9, and 10, correctly, it's scriptural, it's correct, to use it in terms of getting people born again. This is, and I've said this before, as a pastor and teaching my church, I've told them, look, when you go out to get people born again, don't tell them, you know, brother, you need to be saved, and, and this is how I got saved, and, and so forth. You need to come to our church and join our church. Don't tell them that. It's good to share your testimony. I'm not saying don't share your testimony. But if you want to get them born again, show them the Word of God. Faith cometh by hearing the Word of God. Faith doesn't come by hearing that your church is wonderful. And it may be wonderful. But faith comes by hearing the Word. If you take them Romans 10, 9, and 10, that one Scripture is enough to get them born again. Now, you can take them down the Romans Road and do everything. That's fine. That's good. Go ahead. Be led by the Spirit. But I'm just saying, if you can get them to see this Scripture, they can get born again. And that's good. But you see, we've missed the principle behind it. We've used it in terms of salvation. We forget about it in terms of healing. We forget about it in terms of operation of faith. We forget about it in terms of operation of believing God for finances. But it's the same principle. Look at the principle behind it. We know that the word saved means saved, delivered, healed, protected, made whole, spirit, soul, and body, delivered from temporal evil. In other words, we know that the word that it's talking about covers all the areas. So let's look back and see what it's, see what it's saying do. It's saying in verse 8 that the word is nigh us, even in our mouth. Well, doesn't Joshua 1.8 say not to let the word depart out of your mouth? Keep speaking the word. Amen? All the principles of the confession of your mouth are involved in that right there. The Word is close to you. It's near to you, even in your mouth and in your heart. Well, what about all we've, we've, we've found out and we're going to study somewhat tomorrow about Proverbs 4 where it talks about that we've got to keep the Word before our eyes. We've got to keep it in our ears. We've got to keep it in the midst of our heart. What's our heart? Our spirit. Our spirit man. If it's so close to you, it's in your heart. And the abundance out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. See, it's in your heart, it's coming out of your mouth. See, we're talking about faith principles. We're talking about the word of faith. What saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in your mouth. Keep speaking the word. And in your heart. 
But out of the abundance of the heart of the mouth speak. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess, there is confession of the mouth. Confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. Jesus is Lord. And believe in thine heart. Believe in thine heart. Not believe in your head. Believe in your heart. Believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. Your mind's the battleground. That's true. But your heart, heart faith, as Brother Hayden calls it, heart faith. Thou shalt be saved, delivered, healed, protected, and made whole spirit, soul, and body. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. With the heart man believeth unto right standing. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That word's the Greek word soteria. Same thing. Saved, delivered, healed, protected, made whole spirit, soul, and body, delivered from temporal evil. Alright, let's look, let's look at it. With your mouth confession is made unto your deliverance. From whatever it is. It's a scriptural principle. That's what I'm trying to get you to see. It's a scriptural principle. It's the way things work. The faith in your heart, the confession of your mouth, is just the way things work. That's the way the system works. The whole Bible, if you go through the whole Bible, you'll find out over in Proverbs, life and death in the power of the tongue. The tongue of the wise is health. I mean, you just go through all the way through the Bible, you'll find confession, the power of words. Book of James talks in chapter 3 about the, the power of words, about how the words that you speak, the, the words that roll off your tongue, set into motion the course or the cycle of nature. We ought to get a hold of that cycle of nature. We ought to start getting a hold of our tongue. Now, as a faith teacher, and I'll admit I'm a faith teacher. I make no bones about it. I'm one of them faith teachers. But at the same time, as faith teachers, we've often said, get a hold of your tongue and speak the Word. But you know we've majored in the wrong area. I saw this one day. We've told people, control your tongue, control your tongue. Don't say that, don't say that. People going around say, don't say that. That's not a faith. Don't say that. We've missed it on that. It's true we ought not say things that are wrong. It's true we ought not make bad confessions. But do you realize James says that natural power can't control the tongue? Well, Brother Bill, what, what hope do we have? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Change what's in your heart. Instead of being so conscious of, of every word that you speak, if you'll just change what's in your heart, out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth will speak. You know, you won't have to learn how to just control your tongue every moment of the day. You, your heart will control your tongue. What's in your heart? Just keep the word in your heart. Keep putting the word in your heart. Just keep it in there. Keep it in there. Get all the garbage out. Watch, watch the word. Don't watch the things of the world. Don't, don't watch that, that idiot tube, you know, the boob tube or whatever, TV. Don't watch that when you need to be in the Word. Praise God. There's very few things that are good on there that are worth watching. And those kind of things, that garbage, will program your spirit into saying things, because like I say, out of the abundance of heart and mouth speak, into saying things that are not scriptural, and then you'll start saying all those dumb things. Well, you know, it's flu season. I guess I need contracts or whatever. See? Why? Because you saw it. It was before your eyes. It entered into your ears and got in your heart. Jesus said in Mark 4.24, Take heed what you hear. He also said over in Luke 8, Take heed how you hear. See, we need to watch these things. These are spiritual principles. We'll get into that somewhat tomorrow. Alright. Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, there's so much that I want to get into. Let's look at some of the Scriptures... Or let's mention some of the scriptures that we've already seen. We've seen from Exodus 15:26, God is the Lord that healeth us. That's part of His name, Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord that healeth thee. We found out that He heals all our diseases in Psalms 103:3. You don't have to turn to these, but you can just write them down. We found out that He'll heal the 
the stroke of our wounds in Isaiah 30:26. We found out in Jeremiah 30:17, He'll restore health unto us and He'll heal us of our wounds. We found out that those things are so. All of those words, heal and so forth, health, are the Hebrew word rapha. Now, there are, as I said, there are three other words in Hebrew that are translated healing and health. Rapha is, is, is to men to cure Jehovah Rapha. Marpe, which we haven't talked about, means curative medicine, a cure, and deliverance. We'll get into that a little bit tomorrow when we talk about health because it, that's the word that's used in Proverbs 4.22 that says that it will be health to all their flesh. And you've heard Brother Hagin say that word health means medicine. Well, that's the, the Hebrew word marpe, meaning curative medicine, a cure, and deliverance. We talked about the word Yeshua last night. It means saved, deliverance, aid, victory, prosperity. Very close to the name Jesus. And we talked to, to some degree about the word refuth in the Hebrew, which means a cure. It's used in Proverbs 3, 8, health to thy navel. And it's also used in Isaiah 58, 8, that thy health shall spring forth speedily. Amen. Now, I wanted to cover that because, as I said, there's just so much. I'm just going to have to just throw it out there, you know, just take you know, what you can, praise God, and run with it. Hallelujah. Now, I want to look at some things in the New Testament. There are five words in the Greek that are used as healing or health. Five words. One word is therapio. It's the word we get therapeutic from. You've heard of therapeutic, the word therapeutic. This is therapeutic, that's therapeutic. Well, this is the word that it comes from. It literally means to wait upon menially, to adore, to relieve of disease. Matthew 10, 1, 1 and 8 says, He gave them power over all manner of sickness and disease. Matthew 4, 30, uh, 23 says, Teaching, preaching, and healing all, and healing all manner of disease and so forth. That, that is the word that's used that means to wait upon meanly, to adore, to relieve of disease. I want to go to Matthew 4, 23, because we've got some ministers here, and I want to share something with you that, that I heard Buddy Harrison minister on. And those of you who aren't in the ministry, that is the five-fold ministry, you understand what I'm saying, the five-fold ministry, then you can, you can watch for this in, in ministries that you sit under and listen to. And as believers, and you realize this from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, that all, and, and, and following verses, that all Christians are called to the ministry of reconciliation. Now, you may not be called as a pastor or apostle or evangelist or prophet or teacher, but you are called into the ministry of reconciliation. That is, you're to tell the world, hey, world, you're reconciled to God through Christ if you'll receive it. Amen? So we're all in the ministry. It's just some of us have been given more responsibility for ministry. So let's look at Matthew 4. Hallelujah. Verse 23. Jesus went, uh, went about all Galilee. Now, Jesus, at this point, was in his earthly ministry. He was ministering. Remember we said he was ministering as an Old Testament prophet, the last of the Old Testament prophets. He was anointed by God. Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus with, with, uh, with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Okay? So he was ministering. Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues. Underline the word teaching. And preaching... The gospel of the kingdom. Underline the word preaching. And healing 
all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Underline the word healing. Teaching, preaching, and healing. And Buddy Harrison was teaching on this, and he said, these three things are in every minister's ministry. Those three things. He was preaching to a bunch of ministers that day when he said this. Teaching, preaching, and healing. I don't care if you call it as a teacher, there are going to be times you're going to preach. If you, if you call it as a teacher, there are going to be times you're going to operate in healing ministry. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. If you're a prophet, you're going to teach. You're going to preach. You're going to operate in healing ministry. I mean, those three things will always show up. If they don't, something's wrong. If those three things are not operating in ministry, something's wrong. Jesus is our example of ministering, and this is what He did. He taught, He preached, He healed. Now, as He was preaching to the ministers, He said, Now, ministers, a lot of you are wondering, why aren't there you know, bunches of people that are falling after this ministry? I mean, I'm preaching the Word just like Brother Copeland preaches the Word. Why isn't my fame like Brother Copeland's? And He was saying, preaching, teaching, and healing. See, people will come to hear the Word. The Word is what draws people. They don't care about personality. People are smarter than us ministers have thought. <laughs> they really are. You know, They're not just going to go follow some man just because he's got a, a flashy you know, ministry and, 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 and his hair is in place you know, and he wears all the nicest suits and all that kind of... They can care less. If they're not going to get the Word, they're not going to come. But if people know you're preaching the Word, they'll drive miles, hundreds and hundreds of miles to get into the Word. I know I've done it. Just drive and drive and drive just to get into the Word. Now look at this. It says that Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And His fame went throughout all Syria. And they brought in Him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments and those that were possessed with devils and those which were lunatic and those that had the palsy. And He healed them. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee, from Decapolis, from Jerusalem, from Jordan, and from beyond Jordan. Why did his fame go forth? Why did great multitudes follow him? Preaching, teaching, and healing. Preaching, teaching, and healing. He preached and taught the Word. And if you preach and teach the Word, the fame will go forth. The multitudes will come. Praise God. I'm convinced of it. People come here the Word. They don't care that much about personality. Hallelujah. All right. That was a side drip. But you can see that, 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 that that's so. Preaching, teaching, and healing. Healing all manner, all manner of sick, all manner of disease among the people. And that's the word therapuo. All right. The Greek word aome, which we covered to some extent because we saw it from 1 Peter 2.24 last night, by his stripes ye were healed, means physically cured, to cure physically. Luke 4.18 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to heal. That's the word, Aome. Luke 5.17, The power of the Lord was present to heal them all. Luke 9.2, To preach the kingdom, to heal the sick. John 12.40, To be converted and I should heal them. We'll talk about that a little later. Matthew 8.8, 8, Speak the word only and my servant will be healed. To cure physically. And I could go on and on. Luke 6.19, Luke 7.7, 7, Luke 9.11, Acts 3, James 5.16, 1 Peter 2.24. I mean, it's just that word is used a tremendous amount to cure physically. All right? The word sozo. We mentioned from Romans already, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 there, talking about saved 
can also be translated healed. As a matter of fact, one of the one of the greatest ways that you can demonstrate to somebody that healing is part of the work of salvation. And you you know, you folks may run across people every once in a while. Well, I just don't believe that what Jesus did on the cross also bought healing for me. I, I just can't see that. Well, besides all the other scripture we've shown, you can show them this and they'll see it. If they're you know, if they've they're open at all. There's some people that just they just want to be cantankers. <laughs> they just don't want to believe it. You know, I don't care what you show them. But if they will accept that the New Testament was written in Greek, and it was, and they will accept the word of Strong's Concordance, which is a an accepted uh, study aid and tool among ministers. I don't care whether they're spirit filled or not. It's just a generally accepted thing. They probably used it in seminary and became familiar with it. And you can show them the scripture, and show them the Greek words. They they'll, they'll have to say, well, it's just it just must be so. That's all there is to it. If you show them this, Romans chapter ten once again, verse nine, it says, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in thy heart God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You take them to Strong's Concordance. You look up that word. You find the number. There's a little number there after that verse. You go back to the Greek. Uh, dictionary in the back of Strong's Concordance, you find that number and you find the word sozo. You look it up, it says saved, delivered, healed, protected, made whole. Okay? Then you say, now, brother, if I can show you from the Bible a case where that word or its, you know, that this is the verb or the noun, soteria, the verb or the noun of this word, are used and translated healing or health, you've got to accept that it's also healing. And that's easy enough to do. All you got to do is turn to Acts 27:34. Acts 27, verse 34. Well, let's begin verse 33, so it'll fall in context here. While the day was coming on, Paul besought them all to take meat, saying, This day is the fourteenth day that we've tarried and continued fasting and, take, and having taken nothing. Therefore, verse 34, Wherefore I pray you to take some meat, for this is for your health. For there shall not be a hair fall from the head of any of you. He said, take some meat, folks. This is for your health. Now, it's obvious he's talking totally in the natural, right? He said, you guys haven't been eating anything. You need to eat something. You need to eat some meat. It's, it'd be healthy for you to eat. You've been fasting 14 days. You need to eat some meat for your health, for the sake of your body. All right? When he said that, he's talking totally about physical health, obviously, from the context. That word health in the Greek is the word soteria. It's the same word that's used in Romans. The same word exactly. Now, if you can get them to see that, you can get them to see that what Jesus did for us also included physical healing. Now, you know, I, I, I sort of feel like that today's sort of a scatter shot. We're hitting, you know, we're answering questions here and jumping over here and answering one there, but that's all right. This is the last session I got on this. <laughs> Amen. We're going to have to get in some, some things here today. All right. The next word I want us to look at is in 1 Corinthians 12. And let's look over at it. 1 Corinthians 12, we have an account here given the uh, listing of the spiritual gift, gifts, or what we'll call the simple gifts of the Spirit. Okay? There are nine simple gifts of the Spirit. There are five ministry gifts. And there are other ministry gifts that are listed in Romans. Chapter 12. 
and we won't get into a study that. That in itself would take us several sessions to really look at this. But the simple gifts of the Spirit are given here in 1 Corinthians 12. Let's begin in uh, verse 4. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. The same Holy Spirit manifests all these gifts. These are manifestations of the Holy Spirit. There are differences of administrations. That is, they're administered differently, but it's the same Lord. Now, you may notice that my ministry is somewhat different than Brother Gary's. My ministry is different than Brother Beecher's. We administer things differently. We do things differently. I mean, if you get real picky and, and watch for little details, you'll see some ministers, even when they lay hands on the sick, they'll lay, you know, one of them will lay their hand on top of the head, just one hand. Others will lay two hands on the sides of the head. Others will hold them down here behind the neck. I mean, just lots of ways of doing it. But it's still laying on hands, isn't it? Peter... You know, the, at the beautiful gate of the temple, the man there that was lame, he and John came up, and Peter just took him by the hand. Took him by the hand lifted him up. But he's still laying hands on him. Still had his hand on him. See? So, you know, there's all kinds of ways of going about it. And there are different ways to administer it, but it's still the same Lord. That's the point he's getting across. There are diversities of operation. They operate differently in different ministries. But it's the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Now notice this. These manifestations, these simple gifts of the Spirit are given to every man. Not just the ministry, that is the fivefold ministry, but every Christian. Every Christian can operate in these nine spiritual gifts as the Spirit wills. Now that doesn't mean you just turn them on and off like a water faucet. But as the Spirit wills, God can use you in any of these areas. In the ministry, He may give you... Uh, a gift in your ministry that is used with more frequency, but even then you just can't turn it on and off. See, God has given me in my ministry uh, more frequency with the gifts of healings and the special anointing. He's just done that in my ministry, but I just can't, you know, somebody just can't come up to me on the street and say, Brother Bill, I understand that you're anointed, and when you feel the anointing in your hand, you lay hands on the sick, they'll recover. Uh, why don't you do that for me right now? Well, it's, I, I, you know, I haven't, I haven't prepared. I haven't, I haven't done the things I need to do. I, I'm, I'm not sensing that anointing. Now, I realize it's there because God told me the anointing would come upon me to abide. And it has. But I'm saying I'm not conscious of it. I'm not aware. I can't just turn that on and off. You see, God uses me in that manner. All right, let's look at this. Hallelujah. I believe we're going to get all this out. Verse 8. For, one, for, unto, for to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. That's one of them. Another, the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by, uh, by the same Spirit. To another, the gifts of healing. If you look that up in the Greek, you'll find they're both plural. Gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh uh, that one in the same Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. It's as he will. All right. Gifts of healings. This word is the Greek word eoma. It comes from the same word aome that we've already looked at. That's used in 1 Peter 2.24. That is physically cured. It means to cure. So we're talking about the gifts of cures. Now, as I listened to Brother Hagin's tape called uh, Gifts of Healing, I believe was the name of it. It was a single tape that I was listening to. Brother Hagin was ministering on this, and what he was actually doing was teaching on the gifts of the Spirit. He was taking one at a time, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, and so forth and so on. He was taking all these different gifts and explaining them one by one and teaching an hour or 90 minutes on each gift. And on this particular tape, he was teaching on gifts of healings, and he said this. 
He said, why is it that it's called gifts of healings? Why are they both plural? Why gifts of healings? And he stopped. And he said, well, to tell you the truth, I don't know. Do you? <laughs> well, he said, I don't know. I don't know why it says gifts of healings. But he said, I do have my opinion. He said, we read earlier there that we're talking about different operations, different administrations. He said, I found in my ministry, in this Brother Hagen now that I'm quoting, he said, I found in my ministry that very often if I minister to the sick, if there's any kinds of lumps or growths or tumors, that, that, that I seem to be more successful in my healing ministry in that area. And he said that he believes, and he, as he said this is his opinion, he believes that certain ministers are more used of God in a different area of healing, a different general area of healing than others. For him, it was lumps and, and, and growths and so forth. I've heard Ed Dufresne say that anybody that, that has any hearing loss or is deaf, they receive from him. I mean, he, and he just he comes up to them and sticks his fingers in their ears and just pow. I mean, they, they receive their hearing. That's just, it's a gift of healing that operates with frequency in his ministry. Gifts of healings. There's different gifts of healings, in other words, different operations of it, simply because there's all different kinds of diseases. You see. And, and Brother Hagin said, now that's my opinion. Now that, that seemeth good unto me, <laughs> you know. And so, and I, it seemeth good unto me too. I mean, that, I've, I've noticed that. I've, I've noticed that kind of thing in, in, in manifestation. I've noticed certain ministers have certain success in others. That's not to say that, that we shouldn't, you know, turn our faith off in some areas. You know, somebody say, well, God's never used me to raise somebody from the dead, so I'm not going to have faith for that. You know, don't, don't ever limit God in that area. Praise God. I mean, you know, that may not be part of your ministry, but if you're there and you're available, God will use you. Amen? All right. Gifts of healings. The word healings there, as I said, means to cure. It comes from the same word I made. All right, there's only one other word that we want to cover from the Greek, and that's used in 3 John 2. That's the verse of Scripture that we started our study with back on Monday. And let's just go over there and look at that again. We said that... that Third John 2 describes God's will for Christians. Amen. God's will for people who are not born again is to get born again. But once they're born again, these are the two things that He desires above all else. Right here. Verse 2. Beloved Christians, I wish, I desire, I pray above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. And then he goes on to say, For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth. We found out John seventeen seventeen, Thy word is truth, that of the word that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. Brother Hagin said the greatest need of the body of Christ is to get their mind renewed to the word. Well, he's telling these folks, Folks, praise God, I'm glad you're walking in the word. I rejoice greatly that you're walking in the word. The two things above all else, that I desire is that you prosper and be in health. Prosper financially, be in health physically. The word health, translated health here, is the Greek word hugeno. That's close. That's not it, but that's close <laughs> in the Greek. It means to have sound health, to be well in body, and to be uncorrupt. Amen. Now those are the words, and those, those are the actual Hebrew and Greek words that are translated healing and health. And in all those cases we find that he's definitely talking about physical sickness and disease. You know, I said last night a lot of people try to spiritualize things. Maybe, you know, I, and we even talked about 
a minister, you know, who, who sit there and trying to figure out how he can spiritualize it. Well, there's no need to. There's no need to say, well, this healing that he's talking about, spiritual healing. Yeah, we're healed spiritually. Our spirit's born again. It doesn't have to be healed, you know. I mean, after all, if you're going to take an old dead spirit and get it reborn, born again, it's new. All things have passed away. It doesn't have to be healed. It's new. It's different. It's no longer the same. It's recreated. So, yeah, it's healed, I guess you could say. But in truth, it's recreated. It doesn't have to be healed. <laughs> so, you see, that we don't have to cover that. It's already been covered. When he talks about healing and health, he's talking about physical healing and health. Praise God. And that's what we wanted to, to establish from that. Oh, praise God. We're doing real well. We're getting, we're getting these things covered. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now... Let's look at the five major ways to be healed. We, we rattled them off last night very quickly, and if you were swift of finger, perhaps you wrote them down, <laughs> that pen flying across the page. But if you didn't, that's all right. We're going to go over them today in, in a little more detail. There are five major areas, major ways to be healed. Now, I realize, as I said last night, that these interact, work together very often, many of them. But these are the major areas of healing. Number one is prayer. In other words, you can pray and get healed. That shouldn't come as a surprise to too many full gospel folks. You can pray and get healed. You know, but I know a lot of people praying they didn't get healed. Well, they didn't pray in faith. Amen. Well, I mean, after all, what does the Word of God say? It says that if you pray and you didn't get anything, well, first of all, it says, <laughs> it says a lot of people aren't praying. Now, you know, that's an area that I had to sort of kick myself about and, you know, say, hey, boy, wake up, you know. I just had to grab myself by the ear and say, you know what you need to do? And I said, what? I said, need, you need to pray. <laughs> you need to pray. Not just walk around, you know, and blankly go through life. You need to act on the Word. You need to pray. It's, it's one thing to know how the Word works. It's another thing to work it. Amen. You can know all the principles, not be a doer of the Word, and it still don't work for you. And you'll go off and say, that faith stuff doesn't work. No, it's you that didn't work. You didn't pray. See? Why don't Christians receive? Because they don't pray. When they pray, why don't they receive? Because they ask amiss. That's what the Bible says. They ask amiss. In other words, they're not asking correctly. They're not praying correctly. We've already seen those. A lot of Christians get down on their knees and they'll just cry and they'll cry until their tears stain the altar and cry and cry, Jesus, come down and touch my fevered brow. And He won't move a peg. Prayer what in faith. They're praying amiss. They don't realize that the righteousness which is of faith doesn't say that. The righteousness which is of faith realizes that healing was purchased for them by Jesus already. All they've got to do is act on it. Receive the manifestation. That's what they have to do. See, they're asking amiss. If your prayers are not working, check up on it. Something's amiss. Something's wrong. You're not asking correctly. You're not asking in faith. The prayer of faith we read shall save the sick. The Lord shall raise them up. It's the prayer of faith, not the prayer of doubt and unbelief. Amen. All right. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Let's look at mm, several verse scriptures. Let's look at Mark 11, verse 24. Oh, hallelujah. Every time I I have to pull my reins in a little bit when I get on this Scripture because I have a tendency to want to teach everything there is on Mark 11, 22, 23, 24, and 25 all at once. 
And I have taught that before, and it's good teaching, but we're not going to do that today. We're going to, we're going to pull back and not teach everything that we know on that. We're just going to hit the high points. Jesus said in verse 22, Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God, or as the center of Martha says, Have God's kind of faith. This is how God's kind of faith operates. Verse 23, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast, and see, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Now notice, nowhere in verse 23 he say anything about praying. Verse 23 is talking about saying. Say to the mountain. Say to the problem. Say to the sickness. Say to the symptoms. That's talking about saying. Verse 24 talks about praying. Verse 23 establishes a principle. If you'll say to the mountain, it'll be cast in the sea if you don't doubt in your heart. Verse 24 then gets into this area of prayer. Therefore, because of this, so that's what we say, therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things ye desire, well, if any Christian has, you know, got good sense and is reasonable, he doesn't desire to be sick. The thing you desire if you have a symptom is to not be sick. Therefore, I say unto you, whatsoever things ye desire when you pray. Now he's talking about praying. When you pray, believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. Believe that you receive when you pray. Not, God, I'm praying, and I believe I'll receive when I see it. That's not how it works. You pray and believe that you receive now. You are the healed now. You were healed. You already are healed. The symptom that Satan is trying to get you to accept in your body is not of God. Jesus already bore yours. It's not yours. It's His. Throw it back in his face. Say, no, devil, I'm not going to take it. And then pray, believe you receive now, and then just go on saying and praising God, thanking God for it. See? You don't go off saying, you know, and, 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 and catch me on this, all right? We have taught something concerning confession that is... Close, but not quite hitting the mark. It's close, but it's not quite accurate. We've got a lot of Christians, when, when they get sick physically, they get symptoms, and they, they want to do something about it, they'll go to the Scripture, and they'll pray, and they'll say, now I'm going to confess the Word. And like we were talking about positive negatives, instead of confessing the Word, they'll just go around saying, I'm not sick, 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 I'm not sick. Well, it's true the Bible says that the inhabitants of the land shall not say, I am sick. That's true. It's in the book of Isaiah, isn't it, Brother Beecher? Believe that's so? Yeah. It says the inhabitants of the land, we're the inhabitants of the land. Amen. We are. We, we, ha we are now inhabiting the land. We're now in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God's within us. We're inhabitants of the land. The inhabitants of the land shall not say, I am sick. But it did not say, the inhabitants of the land will go around saying, I am not sick. Do what? Yeah, read it, listen to it. The inhabitants of the land shall not say, quote, I am sick. In other words, as a Christian, you have no business going around saying, I am sick. But it didn't tell you to go around saying, I am not sick. Now, do you catch the difference? The difference is this. True, you are not the sick. You have no business saying, I am sick, 
But what you should be saying and confessing is, by His stripes we were healed. Why? Because it's the Word that has the power. Amen? Now, you're speaking the truth when you say, I am not the sick. But at this moment in time, if you say, if you have a fever and you say, I'm not sick, there's no power in that. The power is in saying, by Jesus Christ, we were healed. I thank you, Father, for the manifestation of my healing. I thank you that I am the healed. See, that's a whole different story. See, we need accuracy, accuracy, accuracy. Don't pray amiss. Use accuracy in, in, your, in your prayer life. All right. As I said, we're going we're gonna to leave Mark 11, much as I'd love to stay there and dwell on it, and go over to John chapter 16. So much to cover. Praise God. Thank you, Father, for the mind of Christ. John 16:23. In that day you shall ask me nothing. Jesus speaking to His disciples here. In that day you shall ask me nothing. That day's here. We're already in that day. We're not to ask Jesus nothing. Christians shouldn't pray to Jesus. I had a minister ask me one time, Brother Bill, do you believe it's scriptural to pray to Jesus? I said, no. <laughs> well, that was awful abrupt. I just took him to the scripture. I said, in that day, you shall ask me nothing. That's what it says right here. Verily, verily, I said, you what, sir, you shall ask the Father. You're to pray to the Father in my name. He will give it to you. Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name, asking you shall receive that your joy may be full. Amen. Verse 26, In that day you, sh you shall ask in my name, and I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you, because the Father himself loved you, because he, you have loved him, and have believed that I came from God. In other words, he's saying, Pray to the Father in my name, and it will get done. That's prayer. Operating, you, you can pray for healing in that manner. Alright, John 14, 13. Turn back a few pages. John chapter 14, verse 13. We've already talked about it. Whatsoever ye shall ask in my name... That will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You can pray and receive your healing, and that brings glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Prayer. Prayer. That's one of the five major ways that you can be healed. All right. That should be fairly obvious to us. Laying on hands. Number two. Laying on of hands. Now, let's turn to Mark 16. I want to show you something that when I first saw it, Brother Kenneth Copeland uh, has a tape series called the Healing and Love series. And on that tape series, the first three tapes, the first one is Healing for the World, the second one, Healing for the Carly Minded Christian, the third one is Healing for the Christian who knows his rights and pri privileges in Christ Jesus. Those three tapes changed my outlook on healing. Totally. Just totally. Just changed my theology around. Praise God for it. <laughs> Got me scriptural. <laughs> Amen. And he was reading from Mark 16, and he said this. He made this statement. Just My interest perked up when he said it. He said, healing's available to the world. I thought, I thought healing was only available to Christians. I, I thought the Word said that by His stripes ye Christians were healed. I understand that, but he, you mean healing's available to the world? He said, healing is available to the world through the believer, through the Christian. I said in one of the earlier sessions, the healing is the, uh, or quoted, the healing is the dinner bell that will call the world to Christ. Why? Because when the world comes in and sees that the healing is available, they want to get rid of that sickness and disease. They don't necessarily see the need for any spiritual work in their life. They don't know, they don't understand that. But they do need that they need to be healed physically. And so they'll come, hearing about a healing meeting, they'll come and see people healed. They'll go down and, and, and the minister will lay hands on them. They'll be healed. And, and like Brother Copeland says, I mean, they ought to have the decency to go ahead and get born again. God heals them. 
Amen. Healing's available to the world through the body of Christ. And to show that, he quoted Mark 16, beginning in verse 15. He said unto them, Go ye into all the world. Amen. Go ye into all the world. Yeah, Brother Bill, that means we're all supposed to jump, jump in a plane and go to Africa today. No, no, wait a minute. That's true. We ought to go to Africa. We ought to go all over the world. That's true. But every Christian may not necessarily go into all the world physically. You know, just quit your job and every Christian just run around the world. We may not do that. God may call you to do that. That's fine. Praise God. Amen. Go in faith and, and do what the Word says. But the world is what's out there. You walk out this door, you run into the world. I mean, you, you know, you go in, people working here at the hotel that are not born again, they're part of the world. See? Go into all the world. Go unto the world. Go unto the person that's this next door to you that's not born again. Go unto the world and preach the gospel. And when you go, preach the whole gospel. Don't just preach part of it. Preach the whole counsel of God. Don't just preach part of it. I mean, it's great to go in there and tell them, hey, you can be born again. That's great. That's good. But you also need to tell them you can be healed. God will make you prosperous. Preach the whole thing. Just go ahead and preach it all. Hallelujah. He said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel, the gospel, to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, healed, delivered, protected, made whole spirit's own body, delivered from temporal evil. Same word. But he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Where are the signs falling? Out in the world when you go and preach to them. Preach the gospel to them. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Lay hands on the sick where? In the world. This is talking about people going into the world, going out to the world. Lay hands on the sick of the world, and they shall recover. Healing is available to the world through the Christian. Now notice, he didn't say here in Mark 16, beginning verse 15, he didn't say, hey, fivefold ministry, go out and preach, lay hands on the sick. He didn't say that. He said, believers, this is for all of us here. All of us are to go out and preach the gospel to every creature. All of us are to lay hands on the sick. Well, Brother Bill, I, I, don't, I didn't think I had a, a healing ministry about laying hands on the sick. Well, you may not have a specific healing ministry, a special anointing, but all believers are to lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. The sick of the world. Why? God showed me the system behind this. We may get into it a little bit tomorrow, but I'll just give you a little tidbit now. God showed me the system behind this. When you're born again, when your spirit is reborn, that is, when you are made a new creation in Christ Jesus, the life, the Zoe life of God, flows in, it becomes a part of you, I should say. It's, it's part of you now. The life of God is dwelling in you now. You are born again, you are alive unto God with the Zoe life of God. The power of God is within you. The Word of God should be in you. To a great extent. You should have the Word of God just stuffed into your spirit. The, the, the Old Testament, it says that, that we should be made fat in the spirit. Amen. Praise God. We, we ought to be spiritually fat with the Word. But then we ought to go out and run some of it off. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. We ought to go out there and work it. Hallelujah. All right. But the thing about it is, the power of God is in your spirit. Okay? 
The power of God, we said last night, is a tangible thing. It's not just some kind of floating around. It's a power. It's a power that is transferable. It was transferred from Jesus' hands into those that He healed. It was transferred through His garments to the woman with the issue of blood. It flowed. He said, I felt power go out of me. King James says virtue, but it's power in the Greek. Paul, in his ministry, in, in Acts 19, it said that the claws, handkerchiefs, which we're still carrying in our pockets. I, I put them in my pillowcase last night and slept on them. <laughs> but these things that we're carrying with us, that power, the anointing, flows into them such that if they were taken and laid on anybody that was sick, they were made whole. In other words, the power, the anointing, flowed from their body, their contact with their body, into that cloth, was stored there, and then when that cloth was put on somebody else, it flowed from the cloth into them. We're talking about a tangible power, a real power, a power that flows. Now, we know that if we were to go over to an electrical socket and just, you know, I mean, we're just really going to do this right. We, we, we get us a bucket of water, and we stand in that bucket of water so that we're real well grounded. I mean, there's no doubt but what we're grounded. And stick our finger in that socket. There will be a flow of power. <laughs> and it'll probably kill you. <laughs> you know, stand in water and stick your finger in socket. That's not bright. You know, you shouldn't do that. But you may have, you know, I know I have. Sometimes you, you do things that aren't real bright. <laughs> you know, you, you, I'm working on something electrical in nature. You know, maybe I'm trying to reconnect something. And I don't have the good sense and forethought to go turn the power off first. And I touch two wires together. Woo! <laughs> you know, I'm not real well, well grounded, so it didn't it didn't knock me for a loop or anything. But I could feel that power, you know, flow into me. That electricity. Okay, it flowed from the wires into me, and I felt it. All right. Every believer has the Zoe life of God in their spirit. Every believer, when you lay hands on somebody that's in the world, there's a flow of power. Now, that person who's not born again does not have a spirit that's alive unto God. That person that is not born again, they have no Zoe life of God in them. If they had the life of God in them, the life and power of God would flow through them and would push all manifestations of sickness and disease out of the body. If there was a free flow of power in your body as a Christian, it pushes sickness and disease out of you. can't exist in your body. If you keep that anointing level high within you, and this is what we're going to get into tomorrow, you'll live in health. You won't have to be sick, get healed, be sick, get healed, be sick, get healed. You'll live in health if you keep that level high in you. Okay, the power of God is in your spirit. But this guy who's not born again, he doesn't have the power of God in his spirit. There's a void there, an emptiness. His spirit's dead. It's not alive unto God at all. But as you lay hands on them, the power flows from you into them and drives sickness and disease out of the body. That's the process by which it works. And I saw that one day as, as I was preaching this. I learn a lot when I preach. You already found that out from, from yesterday or day before. But the thing about it, about it is... The signs will follow them that believe. In my name, they'll lay hands on the sick. They shall recover. Verse 19 of, of Mark 16. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven, sat on the right hand of God, and they went forth. They, believers, went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word that they preached with signs following. The signs will follow the word. 
Now, Brother Copeland tells a story about how he went to a cafeteria one day. And you know, cafeteria, you've got a line there of people, and you get your tray, and you go through the line, and you pick out what you want, and then you go pay for it and go sit down and have, have lunch. Well, he and a bunch of other people, they were in a meeting or something. I don't know all the details. But they got in the line there at the cafeteria. And there was a lady there that turned to him very quietly. said, Brother Copeland, uh, I forget what it was. I don't even remember. Some kind of sickness and disease. And he didn't just stop and shout, Well, glory to God, run out of here with me. You know, and just clear the whole place or anything like that. He just reached over very quietly, grabbed her by the arm, just began to pray very quietly. Nobody else even knew what was going on. And she received her healing. Now, I'm firmly convinced wherever we go, whatever we're doing, we may not be in, the, in, the, in a meeting or anything like that, but wherever we go, when we see somebody that's sick, we ought to do our, our very best to go over, and if nothing else, just take them by the hand. Because I know how real the anointing is. I know there's a flow of power. There is. Speak a few words to them. Speak the words to them. Get them expected. And, and, and realize that there's power flowing from your hands. Hebrews 6. Uh, yeah, okay, I'll turn there. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 6. Glory to God. Get anything out of this today? Praise the Lord. Hebrews chapter 6, uh, verse 1. As a matter of fact, let's just begin in Hebrews 5 so we'll get all the context to this. Hebrews 5, verse 11. Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. He's talking to Christians here. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles or the basic things of the oracles or the Word of God, the first principles of the Word, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. You've heard of the milk of the Word and the meat of the Word. You can see that from 1 Peter 2.2, 2, talking about the milk of the Word. You have, you, you're such as have need of milk, not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk, the milk of the Word, is unskillful in the Word of righteousness, for he is as a babe. But strong meat of the Word, strong meat belongeth to them that are full age, that are mature Christians, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Therefore, Hebrews 6.1, Therefore, leaving the principles, leaving the first principles is what he's saying. Leaving the basic teachings of the doctrine, the word doctrine means teaching, of the doctrine of Christ. Let us go on unto maturity. That's what that word perfection means. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. See, that's the first principle, repentance from dead works. We all know that. Of faith toward God. That word faith toward God means persuasion, credence, conviction, reliance, consistency in confession and truth toward God. That covers all the teaching on faith. Do you know that all the teaching on faith was was the first principle? It's not real deep. We thought it was deep, and it's not. It's a basic thing. All consistency in confession, power of patience, all those things, just basic things. Not laying in the foundation of repentance from dead works, faith toward God, the doctrine of baptisms, plural. See, you're baptized into the body of Christ, baptized in water, baptism in the Holy Spirit, baptism of fire. There's lots of baptisms, plural, okay? Baptisms of laying on of hands. The doctrine, the first principle of laying on of hands is a first principle, basic. We're talking basics now. And if you look up this term, this phrase in the Greek, it says, laying on of hands as instruments containing power. 
Hallelujah. Your hands are instruments containing power because the power of God is in you as a believer. Your hands are instruments containing power. I taught this one time and I told everybody to look at their hands. I had them hold their hands up in front of the face. I said, now look at that hand. Look at it. That's your hand. That's your hand. But God is in you. He said, I'll live in you. I'll walk in you. His feet in your feet. His hands in your hands. I mean, He's in there. It's like your hand, that hand you're seeing is a glove that God slipped His hand up into. Your hands are instruments containing power. And when you lay your hands on the sick, they'll recover. See, if you develop that image in you, like Brother Gary was sharing this morning about that image, if you develop that image in you, if you see your hands as instruments containing power, man, I tell you, that you a couple of days you'll just walk around with your hand. Wow, you know. I mean, you expect it to glow in the dark. Hallelujah. Well, it may not glow in the dark. I mean, you may see something, you know, in the spirit, but I'm talking about in the physical. It's not glowing in the dark because it's a spiritual power. You can't see faith, but it's a spiritual power. You can't see angels, but they're spiritual beings. can't see the Holy Spirit, but He is a spiritual being. Amen. And so your hands are instruments containing power. You can lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Praise God. Now, just to finish this thought out, the doctrine of baptisms, laying on hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. This we will do if God permit. In other words, what he's saying here is, we'll leave these first principles, body of Christ, if God will permit us. And if you look that up in the Greek, it says, if God will permit us to proceed to advance teaching. Hallelujah. We're just now barely getting into the advanced teaching. Why? Because we've been teaching on the first principles. We've got people not even grounded in the first principles. My brother Beecher was saying that we're trying to get them to grow up too fast. Let's train them in these first principles. Let's teach them about the doctrine of laying on of hands. That's a doctrine of the body of Christ. That's a doctrine of the church. Laying on of hands is instruments containing power. Doctrine of baptisms. We've got whole churches and organizations that don't even know there's baptisms. There's no way that God's going to permit them to go on to advanced teaching. And that's why there's a lot of people that will not receive advanced teaching. I like what Beach said. It's a sobering thought, but it's so. There's a lot of places God's keeping people away from churches. Now, he's talking about in terms of intercession, in terms of being ready to minister to them. But I tell you what, there's some people that have gotten so far into what they call deep teaching. A lot of it's error. But maybe some of them do have a hold of a few things, a few truths that are deep. But they're teaching so deep that the babies don't have any milk to feed on. And babies can't chew meat. They need milk. First Peter 2, 2 says, Desire the sincere milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. They can't grow up when all they're given is meat. There's nothing there they can chew. There's nothing they can digest. Tell you what, preachers, we need to preach some milk. Go back to those first principles and teach and teach and teach. Train up your people. Develop them. And when they get to the point they can receive meat, then start putting some out. But you know, I love a good steak, man. I love it. But I like to have milk with my steak, too. I didn't quit drinking milk just because it started eating meat. I still like milk. Praise God. You can have some milk with some meat. And you'll notice that. There'll be times you get up and, and, and you'll be out there listening to the minister and there'll be some things and you'll think, well, I've heard that before. Well, praise God, that's good. I've, I've drunk milk before, but I drink it again. I like it. Praise the Lord. But then all of a sudden he may get over into an area, man, you're seriously taking notes. Man, I've never heard that before in my life. See, he just got over to something you didn't hear. Then he slips back over to something you did. See, it's a mixture. You drink a little milk, eat a little meat, drink a little milk, and you got a good meal. Amen? Praise God. Hallelujah. All right. 
Laying on of hands as instruments containing power. Now, that laying on of hands we talked about is unto the world. It can also be, the laying on of hands can also be used in the healing ministry as to transfer power in special ministries, in the gifts of healings. See, gifts of healings function, but they are operated. I'll just throw this out to you. It talks about the working of miracles. And you've heard that term used. So-and-so worked a miracle. There was working of miracles. You have to work a miracle. There is a human element as well as a divine element involved in a miracle. Amen. If you look at Moses, God told him, take your staff and lift it. And when he did, the sea parted. Now, if Moses stood there with his staff and said, well, I don't know if I want to do this or not. I mean, after all. I mean, if I lift my staff and the, and the sea doesn't split and the enemy's coming up behind us and all these, these children of Israel, man, they're going to kill me before the enemy gets here and kills me. I'm going to be in a mess. And he sits there and he procrastinates and he thinks about it, tries to decide where he's going to lift his staff or not. That sea would have never parted. Same thing with the, with the rock he's supposed to strike and water flow out. See, he had to do something. There is a working involved in it, an obedience unto God involved in it. And very often in the healing ministry, the special ministries that God puts in the body of Christ, there will be a physical outward thing that God will have that minister to do, such as laying on of hands. There have been times we, we have accounts of, of different ministers who have actually taken balled up their fists and hit somebody in the stomach as hard as they could. Somebody had some kind of tumor or growth or whatever in their stomach. Man, they just haul off and hit them in the stomach. Jerry Savelle's done it before. God told him, said, said, son, you're going to have to get to the point that you just obey me. Just obey me. You know, do what I say do. Don't care what people think or, or whatever. Just, just lay that aside and just do it. Jerry said, well, all right. God said, I want you to slug this guy as hard as you can in the stomach. And Jerry said, hallelujah. <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that tests your metal there. You, you uh, Okay, you know, I'll do it. God said do it. I'll do it. And he hauled off and just slugged him. The guy was healed. See? We, we've heard accounts of that. There are things that God may have you do to work something. Amen. Now, we're not talking about getting it by works. It's by faith. But I tell you what, you, re, you haul off and slug somebody in the healing line, you're doing it by faith. <laughs> Amen. God says do it. You're going to do it by faith. Hallelujah. All right. Laying on of hands can be involved. What I'm saying, laying on of hands can be involved in these special ministries. The third area is the special ministries. Number one is prayer. Number two, laying on of hands. Number three, special ministries. Let's turn to Acts 19. We've talked about Acts 19. We hadn't turned to it yet. Let's actually turn to it. Acts chapter 19, beginning in verse 11. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. God will work miracles, God will work miracles at the hands of believers. Let me say that first of all. If you as a believer lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. They shall recover. It may be instantaneous, it may be a miracle, or it may be a period of recovery. I don't care, they're going to recover. If you as a believer lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. But notice here, it says that Paul had special miracles walked by his hands. God wrought special miracles. Special. The word special is used. In other words, there's something unique about this. 
I told you about on December 22nd of 1977 when, when as I was laying on the floor under the power of God after this, this brother had, uh, had laid his hands on me, and I saw Jesus. He appeared to me. I saw his head, his shoulders, and his hands. And he said, reach out your hand. I reached out my hand. He laid his hand on my hand. And when he did, I felt a power, a, a burning sensation in my hand. And he said, I'm giving you the ministry of healing. You will minister healing with the special anointing. When you feel that anointing power in your hand, you lay hands on the sick and simply say, in the name of Jesus. He said, I didn't say pray. I said, say in the name of Jesus. He said, I want you to study Acts chapter 19 about the apostle Paul, that, he, that special miracles were wrought by his hands. And so when he said that, I said, well, this is the same thing. You know, obviously. He told me to look at this, and I looked at it. And it said that God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. In other words, that anointing, that healing anointing, that burning sensation that he spoke of is a special anointing, a special ministry of healing. Now, as a believer, I can lay hands on sick and they'll recover. Special anointing or not. Jesus appearing to me or not. I could have done it. But he's saying, I'm placing you in a special ministry. He said that about Paul. All right. God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. That's why we're wearing these claws, the ministries that are ministering in these meetings. That's why I've touched them. That's why I've worn them on my body. Because Jesus specifically told me when I saw him, that this would operate in my ministry, this special miracles, so that from my body were brought into the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases would, will depart from the evil spirits will go out of them. I have faith in, and, and know that so because he said it would. He said it would. All right? So that's why we're doing it. But the thing is, what I want you to see, there are special ministries of healing. Let me just say this, and, and realize I'm in no way knocking or degrading Catherine Kuhlman's ministry, okay? I respected her ministry. She had a tremendous ministry. But Catherine Kuhlman was used in the gifts of healing and, and working of miracles. Those gifts operated in her ministry. That was part of her ministry. But I'll tell you the truth, some of her teaching was not all that wonderful. Some of the things she taught wasn't quite right on. Now, I'm not saying anything against her. Praise God. I mean, she's a precious sister. I was an usher in one of her meetings. And we, I went through the training class for the ushers in, in her meetings. Big, tremendous meeting. It packed, completely packed out the Greensboro Coliseum. It was one of the last meetings she had. Packed out the Greensboro Coliseum totally. I mean, jam-packed people in, in aisles. The fire marshals were saying, you've got to clear these aisles. People out in the parking lot, just a mass of humanity out in the parking lot. Three people died of heart attacks out in the parking lot. That's what made the papers the next day, of course. You know, not the hundreds and thousands of people that were there that received the healing, but the three people died in the... Parking lots, you know, because that's the way the news media distorts things. Never believe what you read in the newspaper. That's somebody's opinion of what somebody said they thought they said about somebody else. You don't know where that information came from. I was there in the meeting. I saw people get up out of wheelchairs. I saw people get up off, off of deathbeds. I saw things. Man, I was an usher. I helped, I helped me and a couple other brothers help the guy get out of his brace. guy was in a brace all the way down, body paralyzed from his neck down. And he just, you know, just stiff as a board with his brace on. Couldn't walk. And the guy just started yelling, Get me out of this! Get me out of this! I'm healed! I mean, he's making a scene. And so some of us ushers went over to him and said, Okay, brother, okay, brother. And so we started, to, you know, we got into the bathroom, of course, because we had to take his clothes off, braces under his clothes. We took his clothes off, took that brace off of him. 
Man, that guy jumped out of that brace. Man, he's just running around. He's rejoicing. He's man, he was healed. But there's there's an end to that story that's not so glorious. He was going around there just rejoicing and praising God, moving his arms, moving his legs, doing knee bends and everything else. Man, he was healed. No doubt about that he was healed. But he stood there for a while and just stood there. Nobody really said anything to him. He just stood there a while. And all of a sudden, his legs started flopping around a little bit. And his arms started flopping a little bit. And he just collapsed like a heap. like Almost like he had no bones in him. Just, just collapsed. And some of the ushers came around and said, Brother, uh, uh, what's the matter? What's the matter? He said, Oh, I think I lost my healing. Will you help me back in my brace? Well, what are you going to do? Help him back in his brace. Lost his healing. Why? Because there was no teaching. See, the gift of miracles, the gifts of healings can function and people can be healed, but they will lose that healing, so to speak. In other words, the manifestation won't hang around. Satan will put it right back on them if they are not taught their authority as believers. If they're not taught, Jesus already paid for it. He's already borne your sickness and disease. I mean, there's no doubt. This guy probably went away from me. I can almost hear him to this day. I don't know. never saw him again. But I can almost hear him saying, Well, you know, I thought God healed me, but I guess he didn't. That's dumb. That's ignorance gone to seed, folks. The guy's brace was taken off. He ran around. He was doing knee bends. He was doing stuff that I, some, some totally well people I know can't do. I mean, he was just excited. He was healed. But now he's back in his condition where he was before. See? God must not heal me. Yeah, God healed him. He lost it. Why? Because he didn't act on the Word. And to act on the Word, you've got to have knowledge of the Word. You can't act beyond your knowledge. You can't believe beyond your knowledge. And that was the... To me, now I'm saying this is just first-hand opinion, to me that was the missing element in Catherine Kuhlman's ministry was a lack of good, solid, sound Bible teaching. She taught somewhat, but that was not her area of ministry. She was used in the special ministry of healing and miracles. That will help you understand some things about some ministers and ministries that you see. All right, the fourth one is anointing with oil. We've already quoted James 5.14. That the elders, you can call the elders of the church, they'll come out and pray the prayer of faith, anoint you with oil. That is an area of healing for the carnally minded Christian. That is the Christian whose mind is still on the physical elements, physical things. They're, they're not Christians who develop to the point that they're not moved by what they see. They're still moved by what they see and hear and feel. That's why if you pour the, the anointing oil on them, they feel that oil. There's, there's a feeling there. The elders you know, gather around them and pray the prayer of faith. They see and hear them. See, that's physical things that are involved. So there's healing available to the carnally-minded Christian through anointing with oil. And then finally, the fifth one, the last one, is faith in the Word alone. Going back to Mark 11:23, saying, speaking the Word, simply believing it. You see the truth of God's Word, you speak the truth of God's Word, and you act on it. You simply say, Jesus, speak the Word only, and my servant will be healed as the centurion did. What you're saying is, praise God, I'm just going to speak the word only and I'll be healed. And this fifth area of healing is what carries us into what we'll talk about tomorrow, and that is staying well. I trust that you receive from the ministry of the Word of God today. If you'd like to contact me, you may write me at Dr. Bill Bailey, Word of Faith Ministries, P.O. Box 5213-5213, High Point, North Carolina, 
2-7262. Or you may email me at this address, Dr. Bill, D-R-B-I-L-L, at W-O-F-M dot O-R-G. If God speaks to your heart about supporting our ministry financially, or you would like to receive more teaching messages from the Word of God, check out our website at www.wofm.org. I believe and agree with you for the full 100-fold return on your giving. I also believe and know that God is richly blessing you and your family every day in every way. Praise God, you are blessed and highly favored.